number one, the book of Titus, chapter number one. And we're going to begin here in just a moment in verse number 15 and verse number 16. The book of Titus, chapter number one, verse number 15. It seems for many years now I have been trying to preach about and speak about and define what a Christian is, or particularly in our generation, what does a Christian look like? Because it seems that everyone, at least here in the Bible Belt, it seems, everyone says they're Christians. If you speak to somebody, they, you ask them if they know the Lord, or have they been born again, or you talk to them about Christianity, it seems everywhere you go, everyone you meet, um, they're all good with the Lord, they say. You know, I've been baptized, or I'm a part of a church, or, or my, my father was a preacher, or uh, I was a Sunday school teacher, or I was a deacon, or a brother, I'm a preacher. And it seems everybody says today that they're right with the Lord, it seems. It's either that or outright atheism, I've noticed from my experience. So I spent a lot of time, and I think it started as a question for me, what is New Testament Christianity? What does it look like? And you've heard me throughout the years here lately trying to define it, trying to describe what a Christian is. And the reason I, I think I have this conviction, first of all, because I don't want Christianity to, Christianity to be watered down. I believe, and I'll say it often, that Jesus changes people's lives. Amen? He saves sinners from their sins. And the evidence of that is he starts saving them from their sins. Because greater is he that lives in us than he that's in the world. Amen? And I've often used the illustration. If all power is given unto him in heaven and earth. Amen? And if you say you know Jesus, then surely he will make a difference. He would be noticeable, wouldn't he? You could notice Jesus in someone's life who says they know Jesus. And this message today, I'd like to speak to with you about that again today. It deals with the same subject because I want us as West Side, as members of the West Side Baptist Church, I want us to have our life, our practice, our lifestyle, our religion to line up with what we say. I want, as members of our church, I want our light to shine. I want us to be a city on a hill. I want us to be noticeable for Jesus. That's my desire as your pastor. And I want it in my life. And I'm not at all suggesting we can ever reach sinless perfection. I've sinned this week, hadn't you? Boy, I'm glad I have an advocate with the Father. Amen? Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm glad I can confess my sins and He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness by His blood. Amen? I'm not speaking about sinless perfection. But what I am describing is what the New Testament describes is a new creature bearing the nature of Christ in the person's life who knows Jesus. Amen? And I want us as members of our church to be noticeable. Then we say we're Christians... That our life lines up with the Bible. And we're not lying with our mouth. That when we say we're Christians, that we've been saved, that you could 
test our lives according to New Testament Christianity, and someone could say, Amen. They are Christians according to the book. And that book is the sole authority on Christianity. You're not. I'm not. The New Testament is. That is the authority of what a Christian is. Amen? So let's read our text. The book of Titus, chapter number 1, verse 15. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, Paul says, but in works they deny Him. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Our Father in heaven, Jesus, as we consider this passage this morning, I pray, God, your will be done in our hearts, that we would be reminded and have a greater renewed conviction that our profession of faith should line up with the characteristics of New Testament Christianity. That it should, amen, Lord, your testimony, and it should vouch for your power in our lives. Help us, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. You know what I am. I know what I am. Lord, I need you. Lord, how we need you this morning. In your name, Jesus, Lord, we ask these things. Amen. In the 15th verse of Titus chapter number 1, unto the pure all things are pure. Paul is not teaching that everything is pure and there is no sinful behavior. He's not teaching that at all. He's not suggesting that since you're a Christian, everything goes. That's not what he means at all. Paul is addressing a group of people in verse number 15. They're known as Judaizers. He makes reference to them in verse number 10. He says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. What the Judaizers would do is that they would teach that, yes, you accept Jesus as Savior, but you have to also keep the traditions of the Jewish rulers, and you have to keep the traditions of the Jewish teachings, and you have to obey the law of Moses. And if you don't add that with Jesus, then you aren't right with God. You're not Christian. You're not justified in the sense of being righteous. And they would teach that there are certain foods that you can't eat. They would teach there are certain things you can't touch. They would teach there are certain days that you have to observe. And if you do these things, according to the Judaizers, then you are pure and you are right with God. But Paul says in verse 15, under the pure, all things are pure. And what he means is, is that the purity doesn't come from doing things, but it comes through believing and trusting in Christ. We could see that obviously in verse 15, under the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving. So what he's, he's teaching that someone who is believing is pure. Someone who is justified by faith. So let's make it clear again that we are right with God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Faith in Christ saves. Not anything that you can do. 
Jesus saves. You cannot save yourself. Amen? Jesus, through his atoning death on the cross and his resurrected life, and faith in him saves sinners from their sins. He makes them pure. He makes them righteous. So unto the pure, all things are pure. So Christ gives us purity. That to you, as a believer, all things are pure because you couldn't make them pure. Christ has established or provided the purity that you need. And so let me illustrate it like this, maybe. Maybe this would help. So baptism to the believer is pure. It's pure because you are justified by faith. The activity of being baptized cannot make you pure. Jesus and his saving, your saving faith in him gives you the righteousness, and baptizing does not make you righteous. Now, if you're trusting in baptizing or getting baptized to make you pure, then that's become unpure. You're trusting that to save you, and it can't save you. People say, well, I'm a Christian, I've been baptized. If you're trusting in baptism to save, then to that to you has become unpure. That's not what it's supposed to do. That's not what it's designed to do. Like if you take the Lord's Supper in order to be right with God, that's become unpure to you. You do it because you're already pure. You take the Lord's Supper because you're already saved. If you do it to be saved, it's become a work. If you're doing it to be right with God, then it's become unpure. You're thinking that that's going to take the place of Jesus? You think being baptized is going to take the place of Christ? So if you're getting baptized to be saved, then that's unpure. If you're getting baptized because you are saved then that is pure. Yes, amen. You're using it the right way. It's, it's serving its intended purpose. But if you're doing it to be saved, then it's a work. It's unpure. If you're doing it to be right with God, if you're doing anything to be right with God, it's self-righteous. It's unpure. But if you're leaving the Christian life out because you are saved, then amen. Everything you're doing because you are saved is right but you know it can never make you right with God. Amen? It can't. And so if you ever get baptized to be right with God in the sense of justification, then that activity has become unpure. But if you're doing it because you are born again, amen, then unto the pure, all things are pure. Amen? And that's what Paul is, is teaching here in verse number 15. They are unbelievers in verse number 15, the unpure are unbelievers because they are seeking righteousness through religious ceremony. They're trying to be right with God through religious ceremony. And there's a lot of people still like that today, amen? A lot of people. They say, well, I'm, I'm right with God, I attend a church. I'm right with God because I've been baptized. I'm right with God because I'm a Sunday school teacher. I'm right with God because I'm a pastor. Well, I'm a preacher. How dare you? I, surely I'm right with God. I'm right with God because um, I do good things for people. And I'm right with God because I don't do certain bad things. Unto you, all those things, then if you're trusting in those, unto you, all those things are unpure, all of them. 
if you're trusting in anything except for Jesus, all of your righteousness is as unpure as what? As filthy rags in the sight of God. Amen? It's not pure enough. You can never be pure enough. Amen? And there's a lot of people just like those Judaizers in our churches today. And there's a lot of folks who are trusting in religious ceremony or activities or rites or traditions that to them make them right with God and unto them every single thing they do is unpure because they're trusting in that instead of the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. They appear to be religious, but they are really unbelievers. They seem to be right with God, but really they're far from God. They have a religious form of godliness, but in works they deny Him. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They've cleaned up the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is filthy and nasty. They're like whited sepulchers, aren't they? They're full of dead men's bones. They're religiously dressed. They have garments that are beautiful, but on the inside they are dressed in rags. They are unrighteous, unbelievers. To them everything is unpure because it's taking the place of Jesus Christ. Now why are they unbelievers? They're religious people. But why are they unbelievers? They're church-going people. But why are they unbelievers? They attend church on Sunday mornings. But why are they unsaved? They go to Sunday school. I believe there'll be a lot of people who profess to know Jesus stand up there on that day and they'll say, well, I've attended Sunday school religiously and that person's entering in and they don't even go to Sunday school. Listen, Sunday school can't save you from your sins. Amen? It can't. Why are they unbelievers? Well, first of all, they're unbelievers because they are trying to establish their own righteousness. They're not trusting in Jesus. They think they can do something to be saved. They think they can act a certain way and they can be saved. Now you think, well, this don't apply to us today. There is a lot of people, listen to me, there is a lot of people who think they're going to heaven because they're a member of a church. There is a lot of people, they think they're right with God because they've been baptized. There, is a, there, is a, there are millions of people, they think they're right with God because they walked down an aisle one time and they prayed a prayer. And they say they're saved and they're trusted in an activity and they're trusted in a ceremony, or they're trusted in a baptism, or they're trusted in a church membership, or they're trusted in what they do on a certain day, or what they don't do, and them church people do do, and they grade themselves on the curve, and they say, I'm better than them, and therefore I'm right with God, but you're not better than Jesus, and you need His righteousness. Why are they unbelievers? They are ignorant of the righteousness of God that comes through faith, and faith alone in Jesus Christ. Trusting in Christ alone saves sinners. We can take a sinner to church, and they'd be a church-going sinner. We can put a sinner in a suit, and they'd be a well-dressed sinner. We can educate a sinner in the great 
truths of Scripture and they'd be a biblically educated sinner. And we could say we could get this person to quit doing that and they'd be a more humanly moral sinner. But do they know God? Have they been born again? Have they trusted in Christ and Christ alone? And if not, they are unbelievers. Why? They're trusting in their own religious activity. They're trusting in their own good works. Why are they unbelievers? Number two. They're not only unbelievers because they're trying to establish their own righteousness, but they're unbelievers because their life, according to verse 16, their life isn't being transformed. And it proves there's no genuine saving faith. Verse 16, they profess that they know God. They say they know God. They say they're right with God. For our application, they say they're Christians. They say they are going to heaven. They say they will walk on streets of gold. Amen. If they stood in front of us, if they interrupted the singing service and said, I've got a testimony, I tell you what, I'm going to walk on streets of gold. Every one of us say, amen, yes, that's right. But do they know God? They say they know God. But verse 16, but in works, in the way they live their life, the way they speak, the way they talk, the way they treat other people, the way they behave, they deny Him. So their works deny what they say. How they live calls their profession in verse 16 a liar. And Paul says to him it is so disgusting he uses the word they are abominable. They are grotesque. They are vile. They are wretched. They are nasty. They are disgusting. It is abhorrable. It is is to be detested. They are abominable. They are disobedient. And unto every good work they are reprobate. You can't even speak to them and reason with them. Their mind, they're so sure of what they say, you can't reason with them about the manner of which they live their life. So what can we conclude from verse 16? It does not matter what somebody says, does it? doesn't matter. You can say you're a Christian all you want to. It doesn't make you one. doesn't make you one. Is it sinking in? (laughs) You could say you're a Christian. You can say that you're saved. But that does not mean you are. It doesn't mean that. Turn to the book of 1 John. Some might say, I knew he was going to go there. I can't help it. I love it. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 6. If we, what, say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, 
we lie and do not the truth. Now let God, let Him examine us today. And let Him speak to you today. And let Him talk to you today. Well, how does He do that, preacher? Through His Word. And let Him speak to you and examine yourself. And let's see if your life lines up with what you say. Because everybody says, amen, brother, yeah, I'm a Christian. But it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you testify about yourself. What does the Scripture testify about you? That's what matters. Then we can conclude it matters what God says about you, not what you say about you. Because you're not the expert on righteousness. And you're not the expert on Christianity. Jesus is. He knows. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter. And in this age, that is the only, it seems that is acceptable on, the, on wholesale. That, oh, he's a Christian. Why? Because he said it. That's why. It doesn't matter what you say, though. Isn't this convicting? Doesn't it make your heart gasp? I mean, doesn't it as a believer? I mean, here's one of the assurances that you know Jesus because I don't know how you could hear this as a believer. This is my experience. And don't go, I say I'm a Christian. Let's see if I line up with Christianity in the New Testament. Look Look at chapter number two of 1 John. So I want to read you the text again. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. We say, well, that's talking about the Judaizers. You think that don't apply to us? That it, oh, that, that, that just, that's them. That if, but if you say you know God and works deny Him, that, that don't apply to us? That's insane to think that. And Paul is writing Titus to say, hey, I want you to ordain elders who are going to lead the church, and you make sure in chapter 1, Titus, that you look at their life and make sure they're really believers because we don't want leaders of the church who say they're Christians, and we don't want them leading other Christians because they're not Christians. That's the point. So Titus, make sure you look beyond what they say. Make sure they really know Christ. So what's Paul teaching us? How do we know that we really know Jesus? If what we say lines up with Scripture, then we can say, praise the Lord. I know God. I know Him. They profess to know God. But in works, they deny him. 1 John chapter number 2, look at verse number 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a what? A liar. 1 John chapter number 1 says they lie. 1 John chapter number 2, if you say you know him and keep not his commandments, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. Now before we get any further, let's bring, let's bring along verse 15. Are you saying then, Josh, 
that I have to live righteously to be pure? No, 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 no. You live righteous because you are pure. You got baptized you, because you were saved for our modern application. You take the Lord's Supper not to be pure. You take the Lord's Supper because you want to obey Him when He said, hey, do this in remembrance of me. You don't do that because of Jesus. You're not doing that to be righteous. So faith that saves and justifies precedes the works that prove the conversion. You see how it works? He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. He might honor, she might honor God with her lips, but her heart is far from him. Look at the same chapter, 1 John chapter number 2. Look at verse number 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. 1 John chapter number 4. Look at verse number 20. Let God speak. Receive it. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. What is John saying? Keep saying it. What is John is saying? Hey, you want assurance of salvation? He's writing this that, our joy, that we might know him and our joy might be full. Don't, don't listen to what you say. Don't trust the assurance of your salvation based off your testimony. Because you ask somebody, are they saved? They say, yeah, brother, I am. They never say this. They never say, yeah, I know I'm saved because Jesus so transformed my life that I'm no longer what I used to be. And the reality of the resurrection is in me. And I'm not what I used to be. I've been bought with a price. And I can't go those places no more. And I can't enjoy that anymore. And now I love the saints and I love His Word and I want to honor Him with my life. I'd say, hey, brother, stop right there. We're, we can fellowship with each other. But you ask anybody, you ask anybody that you run across, do you know the Lord? Here's what they'll usually tell you. They'll say this to you. Yeah, I do know the Lord. When I was nine years old, the preacher gave an invitation and uh, I uh, bowed my knee and I prayed to receive him and I stood up and confessed with my mouth. And now I know that's what you're using as the evidence. That's it. I know that has to happen. I know there's a moment of conversion. But is that your testimony only? That don't make sense at all. So, how do you know you're married, Josh? I got married on the, let me get this right. I got married on September. The 23rd. Amen. That's how I know I'm married. Wouldn't you agree that, first of all, that's not very intimate, is it? Oh, you're basing your whole relationship off of that? The day that you got married. Well, how about this? How, how do you know you're married, Josh? Well, I, I love my wife. Uh, we spoke this morning um, since, since we have covenanted together in holy matrimony. She's been the only one for me. I don't, I don't have another lady. I, 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 I belong to Brittany, and she belongs to me. We enjoy each other's company. We're raising a family together. Uh, we try our best to get along, and usually we're successful at it. And uh, we enjoy, and we, we have a great life. We're trying to re reach goals together, and we are, but this is real life. And I love her, and I appreciate her. I respect her. I value her. She's my lady. That's how I know that I'm married. I know that. 
Uh, we got married on December, September the 23rd. I can't remember the date, Brittany, the year. But see, I'm not counting on that. Thank you, Lord, that proved the point. Because I am married. And there's a lot of ministers, here's what they even, they even, we get the front end wrong. Praise God, there was a day, amen? Praise the Lord, there was a moment. Absolutely, praise God. But some ministers suggest and some Christians believe because maybe some ministers suggest and they should try their best. I know we're all on a journey as pastors and ministers, but let's make sure we are speaking biblical truth. And they suggest that if you don't know the exact hour and the date and the month and the year, that you don't know Jesus. Because if that happened to you, you'd know it. How many of you men can right now tell me when you got married? I'll let you all argue about that on the way home. <laughs> or, I am married. And I can prove it. 1 John 4, 20, If a man say, I love God, then he better love people. He better. What if sometimes I don't? Hey, there is no perfect repentance on this side of heaven. But your heart better be wanting to work on it. Let's go to James. There's another good one. James, chapter number 2. James chapter number 2. So let's go back to our text. So unto the pure, all things are pure, because they're not doing it to be made pure. But unto the unpure, all things, unto the unbelievers, all things are unpure, because they're trying to do it to be pure. In works, they deny Him. They say it, but they, they don't know God. So we don't know, our evidence that we know God is not what we say. It's our life. James chapter number 2. Look at verse 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. That, that should be your worldview right there. Even so faith, if your faith has no works, it is dead Faith being alone, James is saying that faith is always accompanied by a companion. It's never alone. Faith has works. Verse 18. Yea, a man may what? Say, thou hast faith. And I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee faith, my faith, by my works. James, I'll show you my faith by my works. That's how I'm going to prove it to you. Not verse 18, by what I say. Look at verse 19. This is interesting. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou dost well. The devils also believe. You know how we know they're devils? They act like devils. That's how we know. Does that make sense? Because the devils believe, but they act like devils. They know there's a God. We're not denying that this morning. 
Because the one who says I'm a Christian, they're obviously not denying there's a Christ. That's not the issue. That's not what we're dealing with. The devils don't deny there's a Christ. They even, they even, they also believe and tremble. They even like, yeah, there's a God, absolutely. But how do we know they're devils? They act like devils. How do we know someone is a Christian? By what they say? That makes Jesus look bad. Aren't you tired of Christianity being represented by what people say? How watered down and weak is that? So does Jesus just enter into somebody's life and change their vocabulary? Is that what he does? Oh, yeah, he does, absolutely. But he just changes how they structure their sentences? No. Jesus changes how we structure our life. That's what he does. Words are cheap. He gives us life. Remember, I was thinking about the other day. You still with me? John chapter 11. Jesus comes to Martha. On purpose, let's Lazarus die. So don't think your suffering is, is some, that some mere chance hand. No, on purpose. Mary Martha's crying. Jesus did it on purpose. Martha comes out to meet Jesus. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother had not died. And remember, Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And then he said, I am the life. So what does that mean? I've been thinking about it. Jesus is your life. As believers, isn't it? He's like everything to you. He's just sitting words. He's your life. Verse 20 of James 2. We're about through. But wilt thou know, O vain man, what makes this person vain? They just say it. That faith without works is dead. Notice the question mark. It's, it's rhetorical. We already know the answer. We, it's a, he asks a question in the form of a statement. We know the answer. That if someone is trusting in Christ, then Christ who is life will be lived out of their life, not by their own human efforts either, not by their own will, not by even their own human strength, but Jesus, who lives in you, will live through you. He, your life will be in Him, and you'll be noticeable. Amen? Can't you tell I'm married to Brittany? You can tell it, can't you? It's obvious. Now, I'm not saying I'm the best husband. I'm not saying we have the best marriage. But can't all of you know? I mean, don't you know who my wife is? Don't you know who she's married to? Do I even have to explain it? Isn't it glaringly obvious? I, I, don't, I don't get in the car with anybody else. Me and her roll together. Do you see it? She's, she's my life. I don't go to somebody else's home. I'm not saying I'm perfect. That's not the intent. 
That's never the, the truth of the Christian. We're not perfect. But is it grace or license to sin? God forbid. But it ought to be obvious. And it ought to be able to take notice. And it ought to be able to be seen that these were unlearned and ignorant men. But they have been with Jesus. Them guys are with Him. That lady is following Jesus. That person, don't even have to say a word, their life bears witness to the truth. Amen? I'm tired of it. Aren't you? That people say they know Jesus. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of people saying they're Christians and they don't live Christ-like. It's, it, I'm tired of it. It's frustrating. I feel like I can't get nowhere sometimes on earth because of it. I have no examples to prove. Hey, I want to tell you one more and I'm about through. A friend of mine at work last week got saved. He's like 43, 42, 44 years old. He got saved. I witnessed to him a while back, a while back, long time ago, and I talked to him about the Lord, and I told him, hey, you know, I shared the gospel with him. I, tell him, I told him how Jesus died, buried, rose from the dead, and he told me, I said, hey, you should really, you should think about this, you know. It's real. I, I gave the apologetic spiel. I gave the creation spiel. And I, I gave my experience spiel. And I told him, hey, listen, this isn't a joke. This is real. I'm telling you, I just think about it and pray about it. Seek God about it. And if you have any questions, please come talk to me. And I said, I'm, and I know the guy, he's one of them working dudes. I said, I ain't going to bug you about it. I'm not going to, every day you see me, just going to hammer. No, I'm just, I'm just going to be his friend and I'm going to be there. You know what he told me? Thank God he got saved. And it shows you the power of the gospel that saved in spite of this. He told me this guy at work was witnessing to him too. And this guy at work, he, it didn't seem to me he was following Jesus. He was cheating the system at work and he was, he was taking advantage of people at work and everybody at work was annoyed by his behavior. But this guy at work was running around witnessing to everybody and I was thinking, please stop. Stop talking about Jesus. Because you know what? They thought that that is what Christianity is because that guy said he knew Jesus but in works really denied God that he knew God at all. I was like, stop talking to everybody about Jesus. You know what the guy thought who thanked God still got saved after all? He thought, to me Christianity, he told another friend of mine, he said, to me Christianity is nothing but a bunch of rules you've got to follow. I can do that. You know what he's saying? If that's what Jesus is, I don't need that Jesus. I'm good without him. Because I'm living better than the one who's telling everybody about him. You know what he thought? His righteousness was better than the righteousness to be found in Jesus Christ. Because the one who is witnessing his life was a contradiction to the Christ that he was naming. He was a living contradiction. Why would that man want Jesus if that's what Christianity is? It don't matter what you say. Do you know God? It don't matter that 25 years ago you walked down an aisle. Now that does matter if, praise God, if you met Jesus... But if that is your assurance of salvation and it's not, your life 
transformed by a living, all-powerful, all-loving Christ. And today, if you can't remember, and you can't even, you can't remember what you prayed and how you acted and how you felt the day you walked the aisle or bent the knee or confessed with your mouth, and you can't remember, and the devil has beat you up over it, then you know what? If you can say in spite of your terrible memory, if you can say, but my life is hid with God in Christ, and my life has been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. You know what you say today? I don't, I'm not trusting my memory. I'm not trusting what I say. I'm trusting in Christ. And the evidence is overwhelming. Amen. Salvation is not a memory. It's not a work. It's not a practice. It's not an idea. It's a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus? Do your, does your life bear witness that since I've met Jesus, things have been different? Then amen, rejoice, because your name's in heaven. Amen? But if you're even here this morning and you say you know him, but in works denying, you are a liar and you don't know God. You, how dare you say that to me? I didn't say that. I, it's not, I didn't say that. John, the apostle who walked with Jesus, who's the expert on Christianity, which is Christ, he says it. If you say you know him and walk in darkness, you lie and do not know the truth. Don't know the truth. I, am, I encourage you to seek Christ to be found in Him, to trust in Him alone. If you're unsure even what you should do, listen, you can always be sure when you trust in Christ alone. If you don't even know what to do today, should I go, should I, should I pray, should I say something, listen, just trust in Christ alone. Alone! And live in the faith and trust in your Lord Jesus Christ. And walk out of here believing, trusting that Jesus alone is your righteousness. And renounce all other religious Practices for justification and in Christ alone, in Him alone, you'll find life and righteousness and peace. And when the devil says, no, 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 you got to do this, you say, no, in Christ alone. You know, in Jesus alone. Look unto Him and be ye saved. Believe on Him and be passed from death unto life. Let's stand. What song, Bryson?